The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello and welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 808. I'm your host, Max Scoville. Before we get started, just a little bit of housekeeping. Next week, IGN, myself included, is heading down to San Diego Comic-Con. We're going to be putting up coverage from July 19th to 23rd. And then we're having a big, huge two-day live show, which kicks off on the 21st. And that's across all IGN platforms. Please tune in for that. You can expect tons of trailers and reveals and gameplay and interviews and show coverage and stuff from the show floor and the games and the movies and the TV shows and maybe some of the comics and probably me running around on the show floor talking about action figures which is one of my favorite things to do now as for this show joining me in sf is the one and only jada griffin and then hey what's up if you're if, if you seem distracted it's because you're giving away codes to i our... am giving away codes yeah we've got a live stream going on so not not to anyone watching this show because yes. this is pre-recorded but we have a live thing going on and jada gets to play santa claus and i do away. it's great i get to play it's santa good. claus like so many times out of the year it's yeah, a wonderful that's probably wonderful why you're thing. so positive now joining us from new york is our special guest jordan minor What's up, Jordan? Hey, thanks for having me on. Now, in just a second, we're going to be talking about EA's newly announced Black Panther game and Baldur's Gate 3 and a hilariously bad Last of Us ripoff, which is sadly not coming to PlayStation. But first, Jordan, you are here because you just published a book, which is a uh, compendium of physical paper pages, which are assembled using some sort of adhesive, and it contains words. Tell us about your book. Sure. Uh, so there's one, there's a bunch behind me, and then I have one with me right now. Uh, so the book is Video Game of the Year, is a year-by-year -year guide to the best, boldest, and most bizarre video games from 1977 until now. The book is a video game history book where each chapter is a critical essay on what I pick to be the most significant game of that year, whether it's the most you know, influential game or important game or just so bad, but you know, cause some other good things to happen later. Um, and with those picks, those individual picks, I hope to tell a comprehensive uh, story of video game history as a whole. It's it's really cool to kind of just get the the bird's eye view of just the medium like that. And uh, obviously, I, I I was able to contribute. You hit me up ages ago about writing a little blurb as well as um, IGN's Rebecca Valentine. I haven't actually read what she wrote in there, but you've got a ton of people from sort of around the industry. You got Dan Reichert did the foreword. Um, what was what was the what was the hardest one to to pick? Like what was the what was the biggest sort of hurdle for you as a writer? Uh, some years just have so many incredible games that it's just impossible. Um, so I did. A, I was on Reddit and someone asked me, "Why didn't you pick Half Life for 1998?" And I said, "Well, I picked Metal Gear Solid." Um, and and then each chapter also has like a runner-up pick. And for 1998, the runner-up is Starcraft. 
So, so some 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 years are just are just incredible. So, what was cool about the format to me is that it forced me to make these hard choices, and it forced me to get like a variety of games to kind of cover gaming as a whole. So, with Metal Gear, I could talk about you know the stealth game, and then I picked Counter Strike in the year two thousand. So, I talk about Valve and Half Life in that chapter. Uh, and so, you know, I, I wasn't trying to repeat too many franchises or too many genres. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, we run into this ourselves of trying to sort of narrow things down for whether it's game of the year or just for top 10 lists or whatever. I think we recently did a thing talking about just the best years. Mm-hmm. And was night was, we did that on beyond. Yeah. yeah. We talked about what our favorite years and what we thought was what the was, best year. Your years was what? mine was 2017. 2017. Yeah. That was breath of the wild near automata. Um, Automata, automata, mata, automata pia. Yeah, but '98 is definitely one of the one of the big ones. I think what, 2007, and like this year is obviously going to be kind of a banger. Uh, Jordan, if you had to had to make an extra DLC chapter on 2023, what 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 would you go with? Do you think so far? I think I would go with Zelda, uh, partially because I just love it. I think it's phenomenal, but also because I could not pick it for 2017 because I had to pick Fortnite for that year. Ooh. I could not not I could not not talk about Fortnite in this book. So Zelda had to get shunted off to a runner-up pick. Oof. You know what? Kills me. Burns me up. I, I believe that. But you know what? Honestly, I think if we do get a DLC where you can just ship out like two pages to glue into the book for 2023 to add Tears of the Kingdom, Tears of the Kingdom is a better fit than Breath of the Wild. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the uh, pretty, pretty safe answer. I think a lot of people are going to be not shutting up about Tears of the Kingdom for a very long time. Yep. Um, yeah. What was, was there any game that, that kind of caught you off guard or you like some little hidden gem or one of a blind spot for you that kind of took you by surprise and now you are a big fan of it? Well, I'm not a big fan of it, but I think one of my more controversial chapters is Spore for 2008. Mm. And not because I think Spore is the best game of any year, but I want to talk about gaming history as a whole. And Spore to me was a very useful example of talking about gaming culture, just having too much hype and too many expectations and thinking things and do things that are just impossible. And you see that now with crowdfunded games or like games of service that launch in a really rough state and then only like years later become what you initially wanted. So I thought that Spore was a good way to talk about that. And at the time was a really like, people were excited for that game. It was really, and then- That, that was one of those ones I remember hearing about, like when I wasn't, when I was doing a bunch of other stuff, wasn't too tuned in on gaming and I would just sort of like, this sounded cool. You know, it's the guy who made SimCity. It's, it's going to be wild. What's it going to be? And just periodically just checking in with my, like, you know, more hardcore gamer friends being like, what's up with that? Is Spore out yet? And they're like, no. Uh, when I when I moved to San Francisco for college, it was that was around 2008. And I remember they had, in Union Square, they had a, a, a Spore setup, which was the world's smallest billboard. And it was just like a like a piece of like office paper that they'd mounted on the side of a building. And then there was like a, a telescope you had to look at it through, which was... So stupid. It's but like, so bizarre. Yeah. I remember I was working at GameStop when this was like all the marketing and stuff was going on. And I was trying to like, they're like, we got to pitch pre-orders on Spore. And I was like, I don't even know how to pitch this game. So like, it's, it's so far, like, it's not, is it real? Like, yeah. <laughs> it I mean, it's such a weird, I, f- I feel like it, it maybe could have done better if it had been more of like, it was, it was sort of ahead of the curve with like people making stuff in games. Mm-hmm. Like I just remember seeing somebody made, like a, a really good looking X-Wing, except it looked like it was made out of genitals. So it would just kind of like wobble. And that was... Everything in that know. game is made out of Muppets. Yeah, yeah it's a weird It's a weird show. It's definitely got some... I feel like Dreams has some of some, some Spore DNA in there somewhere, just in terms of the sheer scale. And also how much everything looks like it's made out of Muppets. 
Uh, now, I'm not even sure how you... Oh, no, what am I doing? We got we to gotta talk about where you can get the, the book. The book is 296 pages long. It is around, what, 28 bucks, 27.99 MSRP? 28 bucks. Yeah. Yep. I think it's on sale on, on Amazon for 25 right now. Uh, you can get it on Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Bookshop, all those good things. It's out now. It is Video Game of the Year, the book. And this has been Video Game of the Year, the book, the podcast segment. Um, Jordan, is I can there say one more else? thing? Yeah, go for yeah. it. Go for it. Oh. Um, I will say, um, so beyond just my writing, beyond the 75 plus contributors, including you, Max and Rebecca, and all sorts of people from across the industry, the book also has some really incredible artwork from Ren McDonald. Uh, each chapter has this full color kind of cartoon illustration for the featured game. Ooh. We got NBA Jam Oh, I love there. that. It's great. Yeah, it's, those are, uh, those are wonderful. Have you, have you thought about like selling t-shirts or prints of those? Uh, I mean, I would want Ren to do it. It's his art. Uh, he deserves the money for that. Uh, but we got Rock Band here for 2007. Oof, I love some Rock Band. I like the honorable mention for the uh, the Surge can that is slightly obscured in the Metal Gear Solid page, which is like that is if you did like a like a soda of the year, I feel like '98 Surge. That's a good combination right there. I actually won a pair of walkie talkies off of a bottle of Surge back in the '90s. Huh. Like like or like it was like early 2000s. Like they had a little uh, scratch off thing on their labels and i want a pair of walkie talkies i feel like surge walkie talkies no matter who's on the other end you push it down it just yells at you they were actually it's motorola just... they were actually pretty good for the okay. time period All right. it was crazy Any, anyway jo <laughs> jordan this book is is phenomenal i'm actually i'm dying to get my my physical copy in the mail and you know pour through it um but yeah a ton of really cool people i think a good handful of which have been on the show at some point or another um contributed and have obviously you did you did the the lion's share of uh writing some book reports about video games, which is cool. Now, this is something we were talking about before um, before the show. Uh, you, 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 your mom read it, yeah? Uh, yeah, she did. Uh, she enjoyed it. Um, I, I tried to write it in a way that if, if you are an expert on gaming, that you will enjoy the really in-depth, like, art criticism angle of the book. Um, but if you don't know gaming at all, this tells you the entire history for the past like 45 years and written in a way that you can understand it and learn as you go. I love so that. She enjoyed it. Because we, we really, um, we get, we get a lot of, you know, video game art books that are very like kind of granular and very, very much like, Hey, here's some, here's some crap we drew. And it, it doesn't get the same like in-depth sort of behind the scenes stuff. And then as far as game criticism, a lot of the time, it's just the combat is crunchy seven out of 10. And it's like, this is, this is like legit, you know, this is, this is the kind of book you'd see in like a, like a museum gift shop. Like this is a legit, you know, compendium of, of criticism like these are this is this is what criticism is at, at its best it is analysis and you know it's it's highlighting things worth paying attention to and kind of you know directing the viewer's eye as what you know what should be taken away from you know media and art so yeah i tried to, i tried to put everything in the right cultural context yep all that nice and we asked about like what your we're the toughest one what was your favorite year to to like pick about and write about Ooh, um, maybe not my favorite, but one that was really interesting to me and kind of confirmed, I guess, suspicion I had. Uh, I've always been fascinated by how uh, consoles tend to launch with a racing game mm. to really show off their specs and their graphics. So it was really cool to see that back in 1979, there was an arcade game called Speed Freak that was a very early racing game and a very early vector graphics game. So even from the very beginning of like gaming and the racing genre, it was being used to show off this really cutting edge vector graphics tech. That's wild. That was cool. That's awesome. To see. Yeah, I do think that's funny how how racing games are just they're just the benchmark of graphics because that it shows shapes going real fast and you can compare them to those shapes in the real world. Exactly. Yeah. And there's yeah no you don't have to worry about Uncanny Valley. It's just it's just the cars you know. 
Um, cool. Now, moving on. Sorry for jumping the gun earlier. Uh, one of the biggest, biggest announcements to happen in uh, the past few weeks, I guess, is uh, EA announced that they're making a new Black Panther game. And this is from uh, Cliffhanger Studios, which is a new studio. Hasn't hasn't published anything, um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, like you know creative lead whoever is Kevin Stevens, who is the former studio head from Monolith, who was there when they put out Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor and Middle Earth: Shadow of War, uh, and we know very very little about what this Black Panther game is. I don't think we even have an official title. We've got like sort of a you know work in progress graphic, uh, and you know a sort of very fluffy PR statement. But I think it's sort of it's interesting i want to sort of unpack this a little bit and kind of pick away at what we think this game could be what we think it might be and what we think it really sort of needs to be in order to just kind of not just be i don't know not just be a, a licensed superhero game yeah i think it'd be very easy to sort of just do you know like a, a find and replace with arkham asylum and just be like oh but it's in wakanda and it's like no it needs to be something special it needs to be really it needs to be unique to the culture and unique to the the heritage and everything that is Black Panther and what the comics are known for. It needs to really dive into that source material. We know it's going to be single player. We know it's going to be a third person action game to, in some degree, what that looks like is up to, you know, the developers at this point where <laughs> it's still very early in development. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm very excited for this. I think it's, I'm very happy that, you know, Black Panther has become front and center since the first movie back in what, 2014? I'm terrible with years. 16? 2018 was the solo, and then Civil War was 16. Okay, okay. so I'm you, going further you, back. You did your homework. There we go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Well, I'm, I was thinking about... I've been thinking about years for a long time. That's that's, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing that is interesting, there's sort of this whole, you know, fluffy fluffy blurb, and there's, like, there's two sort of things they touch on without officially saying anything about this, but I feel like it gives some idea of what they're, what they're kind of looking at. Uh, one is, uh, you know, the statement from, from Kevin Stevens is uh, that they want to, they want to, they want to give players more agency and control over their narrative than they have ever experienced in a story driven video game. Uh, so clearly that sounds like something along the lines of branching narratives, uh, something, you know, some kind of choose your own adventure aspect to it, which is going to be interesting. I, I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't really know how that would come into play, but it's like they've got kind of a blank slate here because if they are sticking exclusively in Wakanda, which we'll sort of touch on in a second, that's sort of, they're, they're, if it's its own version that exists outside of the comics and outside of the movies, they they've pretty much can do whatever the hell they want with it as long as it's, you know, paying homage to the source material. But in the same way that we've seen, you know, Insomniac Spider-Man kind of cut out its own its own corner of the Marvel video game space, I think we're going to see a similar, similar deal here. Um, now, the thing that I'm interested in is the big, the big thing that, that Middle Earth Shadow of Mortar kind of brought to the table was the Nemesis system, which mm -hmm. everyone's always been like, when are they going to bring that back? When's WB going to do something with that? And theoretically, Monolith's Wonder Woman game, if that ever happens, might utilize that in some capacity. Unfortunately, Warner Brothers Interactive actually owns that as like a patent. Like they patented Nemesis system, which is kind of a, kind of a dick move because uh, they're also not using it. But I could also see a different kind of similar approach taken. I'm not really sure how it would play out but i feel like something something similar where it's usually using you know procedural generation in like a in a narrative capacity like maybe there's going to be i don't know like warring factions in wakanda something like that i don't know jordan what do you what do you make of this do you think do you think i'm on the right track here uh, maybe something they could do with that was could, could be kind of tie into the idea of the black panther as like a mantle that's passed down um I'm thinking maybe like Rogue Legacy, where like the next Black Panther mm. after you 
has different traits or something, and then you can like revisit them in the ancestral plane or Ooh. something. That's actually really smart. And it's funny because I just literally started Rogue Legacy 2 over the weekend. So like kudos on you <laughs> for that. That is a great call out. I think that would be super smart. I, have we really seen any big AAA games do the do the roguelike approach? Um, I feel like bit, bits and pieces in like modes sometimes. Yeah, but... sometimes there's. Uh, I think the biggest one like Prey did a did a roguelike, and but it was a DLC. It was their Moon Crash DLC that mm. they did. Um, I want to say there, there's definitely one out there that's like a big roguelike, but I just cannot think of it right now um but yeah i think i think roguelikes have really you know taken over the indie scene and i think that it's only a matter of time before triple a start doing something with that genre yeah i mean we said the same thing about the nemesis system though so who knows you know it's it sometimes a a, a concept comes along that blows the hell up in one corner and then eh, it just doesn't it doesn't go doesn't break through that that sort of you know triple a um implementation uh now the other thing they say in this in this little this little tip is Wakanda is a rich superhero sandbox, and our mission is to develop an epic world for players who love Black Panther and want to explore the world of Wakanda as much as we do. That really that definitely sounds open world. Mm-hmm. Like they don't come out and say it, but I think you don't deliberately put the word sandbox in your extremely you know PR nitpicked and fine tooth combed uh, statement if you don't want people to be speculating about it being a sandbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, really, I feel like if we had a Black Panther game that was the the bones of shadow of mordor which was that was an open world game mm-hmm. but it wasn't I, I feel like it's not typically what people like it was more it was more far cry than like a it wasn't yeah. like open world wasn't like the the big association with that that wasn't like the buzzword around shadows of mordor um it was more around the action and the nemesis system is mm-hmm. brought up um mm-hmm. you know those those games were really more about the action than the sandbox um element of it it just had a big world to explore now, what's the what's the key thing that needs to happen with a, a Black Panther game mechanically? Like, I, I feel like he's he's got he's got a pretty well rounded bit of abilities. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's what it's hand to hand combat. He can climb stuff. He's a genius. What else has he got going on? I mean, he's got the tech. There's yeah. the gear. You've got to have the technology of Wakanda. It's got to feed into every element of his abilities and his gameplay. Yeah. It's got I mean, to be used to yeah. strengthen him and stuff like Wakanda that. Wakanda tech is like that's that's like a nice little kind of uh, loophole for really doing whatever the hell you want in you know, in a video mm-hmm. game capacity. Like anytime it's like, oh, this is just future tech that exists. You know, you've got vibranium. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. Yep. Get weird. There's your upgrade system right there. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe just like the idea that vibranium like absorbs hits. So there's some sort of risk reward where you want to get hit a certain amount of times. That could be uh, cool. To, yeah. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is definitely a long ways off. Uh, so I'm, I'm dying to hear more about it. But the kind of vibe I've gotten is that this is something that EA kind of announced mostly to drum up, uh, you know, interest because they're staffing up for it. They're not like getting ready to show off a trailer. I think they're, you know, probably just, you know, getting more people on board to, to get it out the door. So uh, then again, you know, Comic-Con is moments away. So maybe we'll see something from it there. I would definitely hope for that. Now, this is actually the the second uh, EA game that we know about based on a Marvel prom- Marvel, Marvel Comics property. Mm-hmm. They've teamed up with Marvel Games. We've heard that they have at least at least three games coming down the pipe, which is interesting. There's also the EA mode of Iron Man, mm-hmm. which seems pretty self-explanatory. You know, like I kind of I feel like we have a good idea of what an Iron like that's that'll know. be the rogue like there we you, go. You think there, so? No, just get a de- <laughs> get stuck with a different suit every time you go out the door. I mean, actually, that would be kind of cool. Kind of like how Jedi Survivor had the uh, the modif the rent the roguelike modifier when you die in New Game Plus, and it just changes your whole aesthetic. 
that'd okay. be cool to have in iron man makes sense he's got enough suits yeah i mean i, I hope you, that you get that the speed of iron man you know like i think it's mm. very easy to, if you do the kind of clunky slow war machine approach like that's not really like you gotta you gotta fly around but then I'll, that kind of screws up the whole scale i don't know i don't know what that's gonna be um but yeah so we've got that we've got black panther um what what do we think ea's next marvel game could be or should be uh here's what we have right now here's what marvel games has effectively put out on the you know on the market uh since sort of restructuring and kind of a, you know, defining what they're what they're trying to do we've gotten spider-man from insomniac plus you know miles and spider-man 2 around the corner you know clearly those have gotten pretty much everything right that they could there's also <clears throat> marvel's avengers we don't need to talk about that too much uh there's guardians of the galaxy which was phenomenal and we should all be talking about that more mm -hmm. uh sadly like I, I love how that's like that's regularly if you know on like those reddit threads they're like what's the most underrated game of this year and people are like guardians of the galaxy and everyone's like but it was everyone loved it and it's like well that doesn't it it just it's, it still didn't yeah it just because it has good buzz uh like um you know word of mouth it doesn't mean that it was like rated highly among the masses yeah like, yeah so um uh, and then there's midnight suns which is i feel like a similar vibe like which mm -hmm. is a, an odd sort of problem to, to be in where it's and then again i feel like guardians of the galaxy and the sort of approach they took with midnight suns are both in the more kind of offbeat corner of of mm -hmm. marvel space like they're not your conventional sort of approach to superheroes uh or a superhero game uh we're getting wolverine again i think we have a, a vague idea of what that's going to be uh there's the puzzle. uh yeah exactly puzzle cookie game. collector yes um Yep. Henry Hatsworth, both Wolverine. <laughs> uh, there's going to be the Captain America game from Amy Hennig, which also has... It's going to be a racing game. It's like I, just downhill yep. sledding. Uncarded. There it is. Um, no, that's... Um, so that's the... That's a different... That's a different publisher. Yes. That's going to be Skydance New Media. So I don't think that's going to have a connection to this this Black Panther game, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, that would kind of surprise me. I feel like... It'd be really weird to see a connection storyline-wise between those two, because I... I mean, it also depends on the time period because I believe the Amy Hennig one is set in older times mm -hmm. where we haven't got a time frame for this new one, but it feels like they're going for more current um, just based on how they're writing it up. Yeah. The and then, yeah. And then there's, you know, obviously the, the upcoming Black Panther game. And I, I feel like that's a that's a pretty good, you know, variety of different Marvel characters and different sort of, you know, Marvel IP. But uh Let's Jordan. Let's start with you. What if you could just sort of fill that fill that gap with one more uh, AAA Marvel game from EA? What what do you think fits there? Well, if we're limiting ourselves to EA, I think it's time to bring back Marvel Nemesis: Rise of the Imperfects. Ooh. If anyone remembers that game, it was very bad. It was. They made up all they made up all their weird nonsense like fanfic characters to fight. Was that? You know, oh my God! Ones. Was that the it had like the green cover? Is that the Silicon Knights one? No, that's X Men Destiny. X Men Destiny. Also okay, that was yes. That was also one where you like you. you that was one where you created your own. Yeah, hero. my favorite thing about yeah. X Men is not not being one of the X Men. Not could be in right. I'm John McClane's buddy. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that was. But yeah, no, Marvel Nemesis was like an arena fighter. Wow, it was uh, not great. Okay, all right. That's a that, you know I got a, a lot of trade ins on day two of this game being out back. Oh boy, uh, Jada, what about you? We've definitely talked about sort of our wish list thing, but I think it's fair mm -hmm. to kind of look at this and be like, what is like a what is a valid like what's a popular enough Marvel IP that could you know exist in this in this you know AAA space? Uh, I'm gonna keep it with 100 with you, Max. Uh, I need to see Blade, and I want to see Respawn take that on. They've done amazing job when it comes to sword combat with Star Wars. 
and yet yeah, lightsaber swords it's basically the same kind of thing what are you talking about they're, com- they're different on a no I'm, yeah they're the same <laughs> but yeah you know and they've they've got the platforming down that blade would use they started introducing magic and stuff into into star wars with Marin and such so they, they've got kind of a handle on some of that type of things that could work with portals and such there's a lot of stuff and i think blade is you know very ripe for the picking right now yeah i think there's also a, a thing where uh an m-rated superhero thing or m-rated thing is much more acceptable in a you know video game space than an r-rated movie is yep. in the in theaters you know and, i mean and we're getting wolverine we know wolverine's yep gonna be r for yeah. most likely hopefully yeah, which is good i mean and then again blade is one of the sort of big you know when we heard that disney was scooping up various ip it's like mm-hmm. okay how how exactly are they gonna handle uh you know let's see there we blade, go. Yep, this is what i want i just Punisher, want this remastered and deadpool just make blade just make blade <laughs> Yep. Sure. Uh, the the wall uh, the wall running mm-hmm. and trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yep. Some some MFers are always trying to do it. Maybe that's it. It's a skating game. I don't know. Yeah. Rollerblade. I mean, no. it's that new SSX starring Blade. That's what they you know they've been trying to work on this new skate game and it's just going to be Blade on a skateboard slaying slaying vampires with his. Was there, there's like a awesome dude in moves. the in like the new warriors who skateboards? I think. <sighs> um. Which his name's like Vigilante or something. Something like something that. Something like that. He's yeah. got a skateboard and nunchucks. Seems cool. I don't really see that being a thing. That sounds like a Ninja Turtle to me. That, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> I think I think a Ghost Rider game would be really cool. Ghost Rider again is one of those like it's like how do you do? You know, it's kind of a culty. It's like a little bit little bit dark for like the typical sort of MCU space. They did that in you know Agents of Shield. They had Robbie Reyes. They had uh, Ghost Rider in. Um, midnight suns mm-hmm. but again i feel like what ghost rider does which is be on fire and go fast and whip stuff with chains is kind of antithetical to a turn-based strategy game you know yes 100 percent give, um, give criterion yeah oh that would ghost be great rider. give I'm, me like down with give that. me like satanic road rash where i'm just going around and just, was, like whipping dudes with that's me. exactly where my brain yeah. is. I, I love it i love it um yes i would love to see just ghost rider and road rash and just 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 put it together and criterion throw a little burnout love in there just like they've they've got the skills burn out with skulls i want it (laughs) uh but no i think i think realistically speaking the the two big ones that kind of come to mind are fantastic four and hulk and hulk has like we've gotten some really really good hulk games over the years i feel like there's definitely an audience for that and in the same way that like you know you look at what sort of how do you gamify a superhero and it's like hulk is pretty straightforward like you get that power fantasy side of things where you're throwing cars and jumping high and clapping really loud and everyone hurt everyone's ears hurt yeah just jumping yeah you jump in the air, you, you do it with the butt slam like Mario. Does Hulk ever do that? Does Hulk ever just jump in the air and grab his legs and just put his I don't his think so. Stuff? I don't think I've ever that seen might be Hulk. A, um, a Marvel versus Capcom finisher, maybe? Yeah. I mean, oh, you know what? You're probably right. He probably has butt slammed somebody in Marvel versus Capcom. Horrible. Ho- just horrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, f- I feel like a, a Hulk Ultimate Destruction successor would be just lovely. It would be so much fun to see that. And I don't know. You know where that's going to exist if it ever does, but that would—I feel like that would kind of fill the fill in the blanks of what we've got. Uh, Fantastic Four is, you know, in the same way that the sort of the Blade movie is going to be—that's that movie is definitely ice skating uphill. But yeah, Fantastic Four—they've been sort of casting that. There's the writer strikes and the actor strikes, and it's like I feel like Fantastic Four is a ways off, and that again is one of those sort of Marvel properties that you don't want to screw up. But it's also pretty well suited to like a four-player co-op situation. Or yeah. give me a Marvel Ultimate Alliance style gameplay with Fantastic Four. Yeah, I mean, I hope it wouldn't just be like, what was it called? Fuse, the Insomniac game. Oh, yes. published. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're one they're one flop. That's yeah. their one blemish on their 
immaculate track record. I think that squarely points at EA for just just EAing it up. That was that period when everything EA put out had like carbon fiber on it mm-hmm. and like a little bit of like orange and turquoise. Like it was everything was sort of going the battlefield route and like man i just remember like fuse was revealed as like overstrike and it looked so good and so gorgeous and then they just completely shaved off all the funny cartoon sort of gi joe saturday morning energy to it and made something that was just sort of like four people with different slightly different gun powers doing shooting stuff and it's like technically sound but just also so hollow anyway so that but with the the thing, the, the ever loving blue eyed thing, and Johnny Storm, there it is. I think it's fine. Yeah. What could go wrong? Just fuse fuse with the the Fantastic Four. No, I don't think that's a good idea. I think that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I don't know. Border Borderlands with scrolls. Yeah, sure. Why I'll do not? it. I'll do it. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay. Moving on. I don't know. Those are, those are our ideas. I'm 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 kind of curious. What does our what does our wonderful audience think? Let us know. Do you want to see uh, I don't know, just a, another Deadpool game? That could that could be good. That's, Deadpool, yeah. I mean, he's hot yeah. right now. Yeah. He's always hot. Deadpool's yeah. always hot. Wake up, wake up, High Moon Studios. Take get off them, the mask. He's got the little baby arms, little yeah. baby legs. People love hot. that. Um, <laughs> okay, now moving on. Um, one of the biggest games coming to PlayStation this this fall is Baldur's Gate Three, which is not a console exclusive, but they're still trying to figure out how to get the co op running on Xbox. That's a whole thing. I I mistakenly said it was exclusive, and I got a. a talk tersely worded email how, about it how dare you Max? yeah right how dare you like, um, mix up one of the million games launching in 2023 coming out but this one i'm very happy is coming to playstation first uh mm-hmm. this is if you're unfamiliar this is you know dnd uh computer rpg this is the sequel to a game that came out in 2000 it was ign's role-playing game of the year when i was in eighth grade so it's been a while in the making you've got you got your job here at ign just for baldur's gate 3 and they made you wait all I these never years. played baldur's gate 2 so i wouldn't go that far but <laughs> uh you know it's it, this is the studio behind you know divinity original sin mm-hmm. uh which i feel like was very much like a, a baldur's gate successor uh, everything about this game kind of at a glance did not interest me and then digging into it the thing is is that it's it's a dnd game mm-hmm. which from the sound of things, is what you make of it. Like, it's very much leaning into the player choice side of stuff, which is, you know, I think a lot of people hear D&D and they're like, oh, it's about... Uh, rolling dice. Rolling and, dice and, and stats and tables and... and hitting goblins. In the yeah. Place. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half-Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? 
None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Uh, but really, I mean, and Jada, you can speak to this. You do plenty of, of DMing. Yeah. Uh, D&D is about... It's it's very much like improv with dice. Yeah, I mean, the I honestly would say in D and D, dice are probably one of the least important parts of it. Like, it's a core element of the game, but like the real core, the most important thing when it comes to D and D and D is just storytelling and narrative. And if you're looking for a very engrossing story. Like D&D has some really great ones. And if you have a great DM that can tell the story and add flavor and uh, improv and say yes and to your players when they say, I want to go dance in the forest for an hour. Okay, well, let's see what happens when you go dance in the forest for an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe you're good. Maybe you uh, eventually come out of you go into a cave afterwards and there's a horde of badgers and bears waiting for you. Um, Yeah, it's 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 all about just like very. I don't want to say randomness, but it's it's very improv. It's no, I mean, very it's, crazy, it's yes and, and it's comedic. It is, yes, it's you, and I think that's sort of antithetical to a lot of a lot of game design. Like that's very much, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of like. Uh, there's a great a great write up that that Games Radar did talking to uh, lead writer. Where do I have it? I'm losing my place here. Adam Smith, uh, and he had some really cool sound bites that I I wanted to sort of shout out here. He said, "What we realized very quickly is that people will get everywhere." Sort of talking about people just getting up on the roof and stuff yep. like going places they're not supposed to be uh and we weren't going to put up invisible or we were we need to put up invisible walls and we need to take away flight but we weren't going to do that he points out that like that's basically making a you know a dishonored like rather than a full rpg like it's, it's got role-playing elements but it's a little more curated in terms of where players can and can't go uh and it was only when we got to the city that we realized we had to go from what's behind the waterfall to what's in these 50 houses or this person came up through the sewers so how do people react and it really it sounds like this is the the kind of video game equivalent of like of yes and uh players really just you know testing boundaries like the raptors trying spots on the fence like it's just really uh they want to kind of account for what people are doing in the game and I, I feel like I have faith that they're going to kind of pull this off uh, because this game has been in development for six years at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and three of those, it's been in early access. And people have been playing it nonstop. I have members in my D&D party that have played through this, this first act 
or portions of this first act so many times and they're and they're still finding new stuff it's just it's crazy how much content is in there um i think they confirmed it's gonna have over 174 hours worth of cutscenes. now i know some of you be like oh it's a cutscene the game where you press like a button and then it was no you're not gonna see all those cutscenes in one playthrough mm -hmm. this is these cutscenes are divided between all your different choices that, that add up toward throughout the game so you're gonna see different things each time so it's really encouraging replayability and there's there's plenty of action in Baldur's Gate 3. Um, Jordan, yeah. are you a D&D &D person? Uh, not particularly. I played a little bit of it as a kid. Um, but I did write about the first Baldur's Gate in the book, in, um, in one of the runner-up chapters. What's, what's the big takeaway uh, from it? Like, what's its sort of its historical significance? Uh, the D&D &D connection, I think. This, this through line between tabletop RPGs and, you know, just RPGs and video games. Um, but yeah, this, this sort of kind of the spontaneity uh, that we're talking about here reminds me, actually, Max, what you said in your Skyrim blur. This idea of like playing pretend at like as the core fantasy of like these RPGs. So it's cool to see Baldur's Gate three kind of having some of that spirit to it as well. Yeah, no, totally. I I wrote a whole thing about how like yeah, it's you know role playing games often go kind of more focused on like stats and lore, but the whole core concept is is playing pretend and having some level of imagination. And that's you know that's hard for for games to do. But I think what really pulled me into Skyrim was how it's it's accessible mechanically like it's very much like it's you know it's real-time combat and it's a first person view and like I don't know it looks it, it doesn't it doesn't look like what you think of when you think of an RPG for the most part uh which I know a lot of people kind of rub them the wrong way there's always the argument that it's not a great role-playing game in the conventional sense and that your choices don't actually matter but I think it's more the fact that you can just kind of walk out the door and just be like where am I going I'm going wherever the hell I want uh and like yeah, Baldur's Gate sounds like it's really going to scratch that itch, and I, I you know, I, I worry that they're not, they're not marketing in that in that sense. Like they're very much showing trailers that lean heavily into like, here is these, you know, here's the the mind flayer, and here's J.K. Simmons as a king doing a voice, and it's like it's people like people who are into the high fantasy stuff. This is already on their radar, but people mm -hmm. who are more in you know in line to be like, I'm gonna get weird. You know, these yeah. people who are like I, <laughs> in the, you know, there's this, there's this old, I think it's like Dr. Demento sketch where it's just like dorks playing D and D and it's like, I'm in the tavern getting drunk. Are there any girls there? I want to do them. Roll the dice to see if I'm getting laid. And it's like, that's, that, that's so much of like D and D. There's always that idiot. Who's like, okay, I'm going to try to fight the house. It's like, you can't fight the house. Let me fight the house. All right, roll the dice. The house kicks your ass. Like, you know, like it's that kind of thing. Yep. And yeah, I have a, I have people have built. Oh. No, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Oh. I was gonna say people have built like massive beloved podcasting empires on that exact energy mm -hmm. for D D. So yeah, I have a player in my campaign right now that is a like wannabe pirate. Like he lies about having pirate experience and tries to sleep with every person that they're in. And the my uh, my player that she's playing him like so just ridiculous. And everybody else in the party is their soul. They've like they've never said it out loud, but they are all trying to block her from getting her character laid. Like, so they've done all types of things. <laughs> like there was one where she was doing really good. She's got a really high charisma score. And so she was like persuading this person. And then somebody used mage hand, which is this like ghostly hand and to go under the table and touch tug on like the other characters, like tail or their leg or something. And so she thought it was him because right as he, it happened right as she passed like a bag of gold to donate to their cause. And so it's like, Hey, here's some money. And then tug on the tail. And just like, I was like, Oh, you guys are mean, but you know, that's the beauty of D&D. Yeah. Like you just get to have such good times. I mean, that's, that's the cool thing is, 
Baldur's Gate 3 has co-op. Like, four it people does. can play together, which is, like... I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get myself too hyped up about it, but also, like, based on the limited time I screwed around with, like, Divinity, I'm like, okay. Like, they've been spending a ton of time on this. They've mm-hmm. had, a, you know, a ton of money spent on it. They've had a ton of feedback. Uh, I don't know. Just in this, in this Games Radar article, they talk about, like... Someone just turn they turn into gas and they go through pipes. Yep. <laughs> which is like, all right, I'll get gas. I, you know, that sounds like in, in Divinity, I, I remember I was like, again, I didn't the the name didn't thrill me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Divinity, original sin too. And I'm like, this is it, I I agree. It wasn't like the most like blockbuster role like, playing game revelations game origins. Yeah. So Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean a, a friend of mine was like, you know, you could be a skeleton and everyone's scared of you unless you get a human skin mask and then they're not scared of you. But you can <laughs> you if you want you can talk to dogs and maybe dogs know where treasure is. And also if you're a skeleton you could pick locks with your finger. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And, and I want to play it. it. Yeah. And I want to play it right now. Yeah. And it's that level of just sort of like absurdity. Yeah. Testing the limits. And that's always that's kind of always been something that's sort of drawn me to drawn me to games, you know? Like mm-hmm. just messing with messing with the guards and metal gear or just getting mm-hmm. a, get, just you know mayhem in gta it, it's like kind of it's like skyrim putting the bucket over the shopkeep's head so you can just steal everything because you technically can't see anymore at this yeah, point that's like the, it's that's the best finding the ways to break the game with the way in the way that the game allows you to is always always an exciting experience for gamers yeah no it's I, I don't know. it's a good time <laughs> now speaking of Okay, we've got Red, Red, our wonderful producer, has pulled up footage of Skyrim of putting buckets on people's heads so you can steal. I was always too afraid to steal in that game. Oh, I stole everything. I was going to get my pockets. I was always, I think I was also bad at it, you know? Like I would try to take stuff and just. There was a, I think there was an exploit early in launch where there was a person you could just endlessly pickpocket. And so, like, I maxed out my pickpocket skill, like, right off the bat, just by pickpocketing the same person over and over and over again i think i did that too maybe i don't know there was definitely that weird that com- that companion hack where you like hire that one guy to teach you archery and then you just steal his arrows back or something <laughs> you hire him and then whatever that was um no i don't know i'm, I'm excited about that and it's yeah I hope, I hope Baldur's gate doesn't doesn't disappoint on that front like i'm i'm also hoping people don't you know don't sleep on it but like again this is such a massive year for games that it's sort of it yeah it's gonna it's it's a rough year yeah. to be launching any game that isn't like one of the, mm-hmm. the the major major players yeah anybody who's maybe you know maybe got a playstation and they're sort of they've doing the charlie bucket eyes at at starfield being like well i want I, I wish i could have a big massive sprawling rpg like well maybe, you got it yeah, Baldur's gate and an eye on that and there's a you can have fun f- with bears oh yeah i was going to touch on that uh maybe wrong wording but yeah they showed off that you can <laughs> you don't ro- you te- you're not technically romancing a bear you i mean you are but it's your friend who's turned into a bear it's so a druid it, your druid friend turns uses the magic to turn into a bear and then you can have fun make love whatever yeah and it's just make I, whoopee i feel like there was like they got banned from tiktok for posting that on their on their stream and stuff and like they're, I don't know. The comments are like, "Oh, this is people are just, this is sins. They're gonna people. This is just, sick. Why would you want to do this?" this blah, blah, blah. And it's like, like, well, it's it's more just like, I mean, it's the same logic as like, yeah, in GTA, you can you know you can kill sex workers if you try to do that. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't. I mean, GTA again definitely funnels you towards doing a life of crime. That's probably why they named it after a felony. But like, you know, Baldur's Gate is is you you can do this if you so choose. And apparently, the the whole community was very very horny for this particular druid. And so the developers are like, well, then here you go. Get, get weird with the bear. Go nuts. Have fun. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I remember kind of rolling my eyes hearing that there's 174 hours of cutscenes, not really thinking too hard about it because, you know, unlike something like, 
I don't know, Final Fantasy 16 or Metal Gear Solid 4. Like these are cutscenes that you kind of have to like you, you've got to earn. You're going to miss a lot of them. Yeah. You're going to not see a lot of those because, you know, it's not it's it depends on what you're doing. It depends on your playthrough and what you're what you're seeking out. And so I don't know if you seek uh, <laughs> carnal knowledge of the Ursine variety <laughs> that is. <laughs> I mean, he's just like a werewolf kind of, right? Yeah. So a person who turns into a bear. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 You know. could, you, could you have a werewolf girlfriend in Skyrim? I can't remember. I know you could have. A, I think you wrote about having a world. Uh, you talk about you talk about that. You talk about stealing all the cheese in the land. Yeah. Or something. See, so there's precedent out there. So anybody who's upset about this, you know, this, yeah. this bear behavior. You have to you get know. the special ring and then go down to Riften and marry that Argonian. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I'm personally more about people who turn to sharks, but not in a sexual way, and more of a lying on the internet way. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I'm very familiar with sharks on the internet as well as the the street variety. Should we talk yeah. about street sharks? I like street sharks. We talk about street, street sharks. Street sharks are great. Jordan, we get, we're gonna we're gonna do this. Yeah. We're gonna spring this on you. This wasn't in the run show, but you you have one of my favorite sort of internet stories antics claims to fame. Uh, you fabricated a bunch of street sharks lore is that correct that's correct yes and what happened there Where is it um so when i was a kid um there was a website that was like a wikipedia for tv shows um and to edit all of like the shows that people cared about you had to go through some sort of vetting process and people would care what you did to make sure you didn't deface like seinfeld or whatever but for a show like Street Sharks that no one cared at all about, <laughs> I could just become the editor of it. And I made up like two whole fake seasons where the sharks go into comas or something. And Henry Winkler was in the cast and all, all this fan fiction. Um, fast forward to that wiki gets bought by bigger and bigger websites. And they take all that, that poisoned metadata <laughs> and it proliferates throughout the internet to like IMDb, uh, Netflix, when they had the real episodes, still had fake descriptions. Um, you had people like on Facebook being like, "I remember, uh, I made up, I made up a girl street shark who didn't exist," and people being like, "Oh, I remember Roxy. Those she was my favorite. I had the DVD for this thing that didn't happen." Yeah, she was uh, the purple so that, shark. I that, love that so much. Roxy was the purple shark. Yeah. She wore a little hat and everything. So it was you adorable. <laughs> You gave the Street Sharks community ammunition to be like hitting up whoever owns the rights to be like, put the seasons three and four on DVD. Like, <laughs> right? Like, I, I may have talked to the people who own the rights at some point, um, a conversation that ultimately went nowhere. But um, that, that was the thing that ultimately got me an agent that then ultimately led to this book to, to bring it back. I love that. Um, so you could have even just made up a whole bunch of video games in your book. You could just be like, yeah, the 1982. Who could forget the hit of uh, the, the Waterboy? Yeah, Waterboy game. Uh, Poly or Polybius or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's I think that's the that's the reason that in high school they didn't let us use Wikipedia as like a source for papers mm -hmm. and stuff. But it's like that's, I don't know, kind of a testament to how the Internet works. I just do love that the Mandela effect is real and people are like, I remember that episode of Street Sharks. It was very special to me. Who could forget the girl Street Shark? Everyone loved her. And it's like, there's so much weird 90s stuff that's kind of in that vein that it, it fits. It makes sense. But um, it sounds like you had a fun, yeah, a fun time with that. It sounds like you had a, a really, a really jawsome childhood, as it were.
<laughs> I mean, the real fun was just seeing it all come later to see to plant that seed and then to see it really blossom like 10 years later. In like seventh grade, uh, yeah, I told people that to make Airbud, they had to break the dog's feet so it could wear sneakers. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I someone else told me that and I was like, oh, <laughs> Max out here creating Airbud fantasies out here. Yeah, I don't that's, know. That's a good one because that's kind of plausible because then for like Homeward Bound and stuff, they they did like hurt the animals. I don't know if it was Homeward Bound. I know it was in uh, Milo, Milo and Otis. Notice. I think it was Milo notice. That yeah. movie's horrible. Yeah, yeah. That movie's very I don't know. Homeward Bound, there is a part with a porcupine where Chance yep. gets up in its face and stuff. I know. I just rewatched those over the last like last weekend too. Those are based on a book. How weird is that? I, read the book. I did not read the book. The book is really dry. Like it's the incredible journey. It's like super it's just oh, like the dog right. went up the hill and they don't have names. They're not like names. I like did sassy. read Incredible Journey. I forgot yeah, that's what jokes. it was based on. But yeah. It's also a remake. Anyway. I love Homeward Bound. Right. Um if folks want to read more about that, um, there's a whole explanation on a bunch of websites, actually. But the source, my article about it, is on famous Ziff Davis website, PCMag.com. Hell yeah. Where I also work. Sweet. No, Jordan, I, that's uh, that's how we met. I, I came across that and was just <laughs> stunned about it. Uh, it's always good to corner someone at a party and talk to them about street sharks for 45 minutes. Uh, now... Um, I don't even again. I don't. I, I don't know how you segue from this to that. Speaking but. of uh, fake things or yes. not, like Speaking things of, of there we go. Yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah. of things that are not uh, authentic or real or as they seem, <laughs> uh, there is a Last of Us esque game that just dropped on Switch that is called The Last Hope Dead Zone Survival, and it is the it is rough. It is the it, it is the the legitimate example of we have last of us at home meme spot on 100 we yeah. have the last of us i want to mom can we get last of us no we have last of us at home honey. I, f I feel so. it also it adds a little bit of a uh, little bit of nonsense to it the trailer is legitimately hilarious i really kind of adore it because it opens with nothing was ever the same since the invention of the time machine <laughs> which i feel like if you're going for like the gritty survival thing Time travel is a weird foot to get off on, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you can integrate it in some in some way, but like that's just I don't. It's a, it's a, it's also invention means the creation of something new, which I feel like changes things regardless. If you're even going slightly the butterfly effect direction, nothing was ever the same since the invention of the slinky. Like I, you know, it's a weird <laughs> choice. The thing that's really funny about this is it spends the first half of the trailer being like so soldier, father hope and it's this guy named brian lee and he's just going around gunning down all these zombies and it's like i, I don't want i don't want to dunk on it too much because it's clearly you know it's a small studio yeah, yeah for sure but also come on like it's, you know what you were doing yeah this is this is very shamelessly knocking off the last of us the funny there's thing, ellie in the middle of the trailer after being like alone in this he, he finds himself alone in an apocalyptic city and then the next shot is just this extremely clearly like it's ellie it's just ellie her name is Eve in this game, but it's mm -hmm. straight. It's Ellie, and she's just standing there, like almost, almost T posing, but just kind of standing there. And then mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, through through the city ruins and the darkness of underground tunnels, Brian and Eve have to. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. He just said he was alone, and then this, <laughs> this character just shows up out of the blue, and then they have to do stuff. And yeah, so I'm I'm not about to recommend people go and uh, check this out, but it is it is rather fascinating as far as. There's some, there's some, uh, I watched a couple playthroughs on it, um, on the YouTubes. Um, there's a couple people who bought this and played this. It's only available in the UK, um, for Switch. Um, and I believe it's available, it's available US for Steam, you found, right? Or no, it was no, that's a different actually, one. That's, you found a different one. Okay. On. That's actually so. where this, that's even better. That I saw uh, that up, uh, on. But yeah, so this one, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, from what I could tell from the playthroughs, it was like maybe like 30 minutes to play through it. Um, 
and you know they had some editing and stuff because some of the sections are pretty bad you think hbo um, is going to turn it into a oh i hope so prestige i really drama? hope we get a prestige drama out of this look at them boat graphics um a hbo wouldn't but max would <laughs> max yeah, would yes uh, the last hope a peacock original um, i can see it um the 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 big the big spoiler because i don't think many of our viewers are going to go out and buy this game is you find out once you've gotten in the future that eve is actually your daughter somehow and you find out like there's a whole backstory about like how her parents got trapped or something like that and died but somehow he went forward now in time so now he's trying so to it's escort like her and reverse her. terminator with zombies yeah it's kind of like it's almost like uh if you watch that chris pratt movie the tomorrow war where they conscripted people from the past to go to the future to fight their war because they ran out of soldiers in the future okay so that makes sense that's just that's just using people as, as human shields going to the future to try to uh prevent the the past what yeah like you just it's again reverse terminator also backwards terminator not how that works <laughs> um but yeah there I, I from what i could tell like some of the mechanics are a little rough in this the the stamina meter doesn't refill automatically you have to actually eat like rations to refill your stamina um when you're lock picking doors it does not freeze time like most games so if there are zombies like near the, you i like that you have like valid criticisms about mechanics regardless regardless of like the 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 big picture which is not a good picture in fact it's <laughs> yeah. a shamelessly shameless knockoff of it is last of us key yeah, i do my research what can i say uh, uh, but yeah what's this other one you said another the last hope which I, I just feel like if you see a game called The Last Hope, maybe just don't don't play it. This one, the Steam description is, you made the biggest mistake in human history. Now you are the last hope of the world. <laughs> Explore UK, Russia, Germany, Norway, Egypt, USA, Mars, Moon. There's no punctuation there. Or there's no spaces between the punctuation. Search, fish, fruits, beer, meat, if you want to stay alive. Travel through different eras of time, face different kinds of creatures, and return mankind, dot, dot, dot. That's all it says. This That's is, the game. This is uh, definitely an AI written blurb. I've always wanted to visit Moon. Yeah, Moon is great this fish. time of year. Moon is great this time of year. You can. I heard you can mine for fish on the Moon. Yeah. So that was. <laughs> <laughs> I I get. I was just gonna say I I'm a huge Switch fan. I'm even a Switch apologist for like jank ports of AAA games. But if you want like a third person <laughs> horror Last of Us s game, you have all sorts of Resident Evil games. Mm -hmm. They even cleaned up that Alan Wake port um go play luigi's mansion go play zombie like yeah like there's there's lots Dying of light i like when they do when they do full remasters of stuff and then they basically have to do like professional demakes to get it on switch <laughs> yeah like the Al alan wake was like we've uh here check it out it looks great it's running in you know new tech okay cool all right here it is on switch and it looks marginally better than the original it's like okay, uh, okay fair enough you jordan try. jordan either of these titles making the uh the dlc for video game of the year um part two well, your your description of it, your in depth criticism of it, I think would have been a perfect uh, contributor. Hey, just let me know. Uh, I'll write it. I'll write it up. <laughs> now, Jordan, yeah. do you have any ideas? I love that you you just you have a book out literally today. It's video game of the year. Yes. Go check it out, everybody. But if if you had to, I like, what are you going to do next? What's your next book about? If you did you did you find yourself sort of itching to tackle a different topic? Or are you keeping that under wraps? I can't talk about it. Oh, um, I can't. I can't tease, which is in of itself a tease. In the meantime, everyone, please go check out Jordan's book, Video Game of the Year. It is available now all over the place. Is it? Does it exist as a, a digital version? If people hate the feel of paper on their mitts. Uh, yeah, it's digital. It's just, but it's only for now. It's only there's no hardcover. I've got some questions about that. It's only the paperback right now. But yeah, it's digital. All that. Uh, Jordan, where can people find you on the internet? 
Yes, they can find me at PC Mag. That's where I work. I write about games and tech, like streaming services and, and dating apps. Um, they can follow me on Twitter and all the other websites at this point at Jordan W. Minor. Um, those are the big ones. And yeah, they can find 300 pages of my video game opinions in this physical book, Video Game of the Year. It's out now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. It was a pleasure having you. We will hissy, hissy, hissy. not be back next week because I'll be down at Comic-Con, but uh, be sure to check out the Comic-Con stuff we have planned. Again, the live show kicks off on the 21st. Check that out. We're going to have fun with it. And then, uh, I don't know, hopefully they announce some cool video game stuff that we can talk about the week after that. And on that note, everybody say Beyond. 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 There we go. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.